0: All right. Greetings and welcome back to Fremont E-Free and our podcast. It's been quite a while since
1: we've done this. Uh, a long time actually, Jim, but it's good to be back. I feel like Star Wars Episode One, where there was 19 years between Return of the Jedi and Phantom Menace. We have returned after a long time off and there's much anticipation and excitement that we are here.
0: Yeah, I don't feel like that at all, mostly <laughs> because I don't know what that means, but that's great <laughs> that you feel that way. It does feel like it's been a long time. So Hopefully we'll be uh, back and better than ever, but I guess we're going to find out. We're going to try a little bit different format here. And we're working from questions that people have had about Genesis 1. And we thought we'd just maybe try to answer one question per podcast. So who knows, if we get going, maybe we'll answer 20 of these things today. But more likely just a couple, and maybe we'll just release them over the course of a week or so. And so the question we're answering today, Jim, is from Genesis chapter 1. And the question is, Uh, What are the leading ways to interpret Genesis one with their strengths and weaknesses and where do we personally land? So perhaps maybe I can just summarize what I think are the three leading views at this point, and then we can talk about strengths and weaknesses, and then we can kind of lay our cards down where we land. If that sounds okay to you. That sounds fantastic. Okay. So, um, one is what we'll just call the 24 hour day theory, which would say that in Genesis one, you have literal 24-hour day periods as we think of them Um, so that that would be one leading theory Uh, another leading theory then would be the analogical days theory which would say that genesis 1 is actually meant to be an analogy that has been given to us to help us understand how god created is because perhaps our brains are not even big enough to understand how god would do all this so to give an example um, scripture speaks of of god holding the water in the hollow of his hands God does not have hands, so that's an analogy that's being used to help us understand how powerful God is. So the idea is, in the analogical view, that, that um, Genesis 1 is being given to us an analogy to help us understand. We understand work weeks, and so we're being given to work weeks so we can understand how God made the world. It's an analogy. Probably the other one that I would say is is the leading one, at least from, from what I can gather, would be the literary framework of you, which is saying that Genesis 1 is not so much concerned with you know how long things lasted, but more so, it's a literary framework that's being used to help us understand how God ordered creation. and And proponents of that view would would point out, and I think they're right to point out that there are some serious parallels between days one and four, two and five, three and six. Um, and because of that, that would be to them evidence that that it has been organized in a um, literary device, using literary devices to help us understand how God created the world. So those are. In a nutshell, the three leading um, views that are out there. The first would obviously be a young earth view, meaning that the earth is probably somewhere between six and 10,000 years old. The other two wouldn't necessarily preclude a young earth, but generally speaking, people who hold to the analogical view or to the literary framework view are going to argue that the earth is much older, potentially up to billions of years. Anything you want to add
1: to that to this I point? I think that sounds like a very concise summary. I guess probably the next place you'd want to go is say, so what are the strengths and weaknesses of both or of all three of those arguments? Because, I mean, the fact that you have three different views out there means that you're going to have strengths and weaknesses of each view because um, if there was one that was just surefire, we would have one view because it was like tight. Um, Yeah,
0: and to be clear, I should say that all those views I mentioned, I, I think are held by people who or at least they can be held, I should say that. You know, there's people who hold the theories who maybe aren't even Christians. But, like, those theories are all consistent with people who would hold to the idea that the Bible is the Word of God and needs to be trusted and taken at its word. Okay? And so all of them are arguing, for the record, from the Hebrew text. Like, in other words, they're not saying, well, science says this, and we love science more than the Bible, therefore we're going to listen to science. They're arguing from the Hebrew text. So, you're right. Like, I think the fact that there are those many theories. And by the way, there's at least seven or eight more that are... Um, hold at least enough water that a significant amount of people hold to them that I, I'm not mentioning. I'm just kind of sticking to the main three. Um, right. Maybe you're listening to this and you have another theory that you love. Okay, like there's, there's lots of theories that are out there, but these are the main three, at least that I understand them. But I do think they point to the idea that there is some dispute on this. So let's just work through strengths and weaknesses. So let's start with um, the 24-hour view. What In your mind, what are the strengths
1: of that view? Well, I would think that the strength in that view is, well, church history. Okay. I would say would be a strength because that has been a major position that church history held for what, first 1800 I years? I mean, my,
0: my understanding is that really the the kind of the idea that the earth is much older didn't come about in church history until the 1800s at least. That's my understanding. Now, right. maybe someone who's read more on that would say otherwise, but that's my understanding. Right. Yeah. So you've got yeah. a lot of church great history.
1: people, a lot of great theologians who are, you know, pretty smart and very biblically minded would hold a view. So I do think that would be a a view. And I I mean, isn't there something, I mean, I always thought that there's very specific language within the text, right? That says there was evening and there was morning the first day, the second day, that kind of gives this 24 hour feel about it. Um, Yeah would you agree with that yeah would i think a i think
0: the the strengths um i would agree from the text would be that like first of all the word day can mean things other than a 24-hour period but most right. commonly it does mean a 24-hour period so i think you have to have pretty good reason from the text to conclude it's not meaning a 24-hour period now i will say in genesis and other places that word which is the hebrew word yom is used to refer to something outside of a 24-hour period so Right. I, think, I think we have to be careful to say it always means a 24-hour period. However, most of the time it does, and the context kind of dictates that. And I would agree with you that the language of evening and morning, generally speaking, at least again from what I can understand in the Hebrew world, would be understood the way we understand it, which is to say a 24-hour period. So I think the greatest strength of the, of the 24-hour day view is that it does seem to be most consistent with how you'd interpret the Hebrew word yom, day, and consistent with the language of there is evening and there is morning the first day and so on and so forth right okay so weaknesses of that particular view what would you say
1: oh i shared the strengths you get to share the weaknesses <laughs> okay you know the well, stuff better than i do
0: um I, I think one weakness of that view and one one pretty big problem for those who hold to it is how is there evening and morning on days one through three when the sun doesn't show up till day four So I think you have to really be able to try to answer, if you're a person who holds that view, what's going on in days one through three? The sun doesn't show up till day four. Right. So what does it mean that there is evening and there is morning without the sun? Right. I think that's a problem for those who hold to that particular view. You know, the fact that there is no evening and morning on the seventh day is interesting, too. Um, Does that mean that the seventh day is just ongoing or... You know why does that disappear if we're saying that these are all 24-hour literal days that that would be another issue i think potentially um with the well, hour day period. so um the other thing you'd probably say is is if you're a person who strongly holds to the geological record um that most scientists nowadays would put forward you'd say well the geological record doesn't necessarily match up with the world that's six to ten thousand years old right and I know sometimes Christians are quick to dismiss that. Well, that's just science, and the Bible trumps science, which is true, by the way. The Bible right. is more trustworthy than science. Um, at the same time, we understand that God reveals himself not just through his word, but also through the world. And so sometimes the geological record or the, the things that we see on earth um, can point us in a direction to help us better understand Scripture. And I gave an example when we preached through the passage about Galileo. And how people just misunderstood the way the universe was created at the time and actually science helped them understand oh we were just seeing scripture wrongly, in terms of the earth um, revolving around the sun or vice versa so yeah i think those are the problems with that particular view anything else you want to say on that i think that's good okay Okay. let's keep moving we're trying to keep these clips short so we'll do our best we'll keep it tight at least that's the goal all right so let's move on to the analogical um view uh, strengths of the analogical view, anything you want to point out or anything you want to argue for? Dude, you got to lead
1: this one out for me here. <laughs> You're the studied
0: one. Oh, man. Yeah, I've, I've read more about Genesis in the last couple of months than I, I ever imagined I would. Uh, so, analogical view, I think a strength is, uh, first of all, that scripture does speak in a lot of analogies as it relates to God. Um, God is not like us, and so there's often times where Scripture uses anthropomorphisms, meaning right. language that make it sound as if He's acting like we are, again, to use the water in the hollow of His hands, when God is not like us. He doesn't have a right. body like us. He doesn't. Right. Um, he's not confined by the same things that we are. So certainly there's plenty of examples that we could point to in Scripture where there is an analogy used to try to help our small brains understand how God works. Right. Um, that isn't necessarily... Yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean that he worked in exactly that way that we literally see it. Again, holding the water in the ocean, or holding the ocean in the hollow of his hand. So, um, I, you know, again, if you're a person who holds the genealog or the um, not genealogical, but the geological record, then you would probably say, well, the analogical view makes more sense of the way we see the world. Um, I think those are probably the greatest strengths that I can see. you know, again, they, they probably have less of a problem with the sun not showing up till day four, um, but we'll get to their weaknesses here in a second. So I think those are the strengths. Anything right. you want to add to that? No. Weaknesses. Nope. Um, if you do hold to an old earth, I'll, I'll let you chime in on this one because we were talking about it earlier. What, what's some of the problems with the old earth in terms of the text?
1: Well, I wouldn't. I mean, I guess the place that I'm going to go somewhere different um, is the idea that if, if you start. I think the danger of taking Genesis 1 and saying it's analogy is to say, when does that stop? Um, because creation of man and woman becomes analogy as well. And that allows interpretation of different things, right? And so I think that's always a concern, because I know some people will say Genesis 1, 2, and 3 are analogy. And that makes Adam and Eve an analogy, and Satan an analogy, and the fall an analogy. And So I guess my concern is, is once this starts an analogy, I've even heard people say, that Genesis and an analogy all the way up until Abraham, and that's when it becomes historical. Yeah. So, like, I I was always yeah. concerned that once you start opening this door of Genesis and of an analogy, it's hard to know when you close it. Yeah. Um, because then some things become uh, figurative and not literal, and I think you run into a lot of problems when you do that.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I I would agree with that as long as we make the caveat that there are some things in scripture that are meant to be understood as an analogy right. or meant to be understood figuratively. Right. Like the person who says, "Why well, I always want to interpret the Bible literally. I'd say, well, you mean you want to interpret it literally when it's meant to be interpreted literally? Like when Correct. Jesus says, sure. if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. I think that's a figure of speech, right? right. I don't think right. we should be walking around with our arms cut off or our eyes gouged out, right? So right. we don't interpret that literally because that's not how it's meant to be interpreted. Sure. So I, I agree with you that, like, what we don't want to do is make it an analogy when it's not an analogy. However, if it is an analogy, then we need to interpret it as an analogy. If that okay. makes sense. But yes, I, I see the the argument there that if if we go that way, we could go that way with a lot of Genesis one through three. Right. All right. So we'll save our problems with the older to the third view here, which is a literary framework in terms of um, some of the stuff with the sun. Um, okay. So let's let's talk about literary framework. I, we're breezing through these really quickly. By the way, there's whole books written on this if you're really interested in the topic um, on all these views, no doubt. So um, if you feel like, wow, that was a really short and not as long and lengthy as I'd like, true. We're trying to get through this quickly. Okay, so literary framework. Um, again, I think in, uh strength of the literary framework would be that... Um, genealogical record, or genealogical, I keep saying genealogical, but the... uh, Geological. Geological record. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, the geological record, that would be a strength. I think there are some clues in the text that make you think the text is being organized in a very specific way. Like, I I can't remember if I mentioned this in the beginning, I think I did, that days one and four, two and five, three and six have some really strong correspondence that make you think that the text is being organized in a literary way. Now, I would argue at the end of the day that... Maybe it's organized that way because that's the way God created the world.
1: So you have light in day one, lights in day four, right? Yep. That you have on day two, the waters, and day five is the, the fish and the creatures in the water. Uh, and then day three, you would say, is is land, and day six is the land animals. So that's the literary device that you're seeing there, how those days connect to each other, because there's a similarity of what happens and how they connect to each other.
0: Yeah, and, and even on day two and five, there's the heavens and then the birds, right? Like, oh, so the heavens skies, and birds, yeah. so the waters and the skies yep. are on day two and right. then the birds and the fish yeah. on day right, five. Right, right. Yep. Yeah, and then yep. there's the earth and then there's things on the earth right. on day three and six. So yes, right. that's what I'm talking about. Right. So that, that, would be, um, that would be a feather in their cap, I guess, okay. a strength. um weaknesses so now let's talk about old earth and what problems they have with the sun that's what we were talking about earlier so if you want to dive right
1: well and i think i mean i don't know i think in a lot of ways all of the views have problems with day three and four right because you have day three where you have plants that are created vegetation that needs photosynthesis to survive and yet the sun doesn't come until day four Yeah. So there is something, whether that's one day or, you know, a thousand days or a million days in between, you've got some issues there of saying that doesn't work the way our world works. Yeah.
0: And certainly you would say in favor of of a young earth position, one day creates a lot less of a problem than a million
1: days. Sure. Right. 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 So then the question is, is, what do you do with that at that particular point? So, yeah, that's where your old earth and there's a long gap in between days makes it difficult because... How do, you, how do you account for that going on?
0: The other thing I would say about the literary framework in terms of weakness is that it does seem like it's still being ordered chronologically, um, that there's, there's, me, there's meant to be an understanding that this happened in a sequential order. And so the idea that it's just a literary device to organize material doesn't make a lot of sense of why it's being presented the way it is in terms of and there's evening and there's morning the first day and the second day. Like It does seem like there's a very clear order. And so to say it's just a literary device and it doesn't matter what order it goes in doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. I would say the other strength of the first view is that I think Exodus 20 um, seems like it talks about how the Sabbath six days and then one, and then talks about how God worked on six days and then rested on the seventh. That seems to be talking about a 24-hour period. Certainly, right. it is in reference right. to the Israelites and the command right. that they're given. Right. And so I think that's another strength that we failed to mention earlier as it relates right. to the 24-hour day period.
1: Right. Well, I was also wondering. You know, you mentioned on in. In the message yesterday, you know the Hebrews uh, four passage, right? You know the the writer of Hebrews kind of assumes something in verse four, where it says, "For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his works." That sounds kind of literal, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, again, it seems like is. I mean, in maybe I would stay away from the literal language. And say It seems like a twenty four hour twenty four hour day period. Yeah. Okay. okay. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I, I tend to agree with that. So i think the other the other strength of that first view that we mentioned is that other scripture seems to point, in, point that direction. in that
1: direction right right okay so let's just put our cards on the table where do you land why yeah i i probably i mean i will say this i probably have not studied this nearly as much as you have that's why i kept deferring to you um, on a lot of these things i have grown up with the idea of a literal seven day six day creation seven day rest literal six days. I don't know how old the earth is. I mean, um, I would tend to lean probably toward a younger earth. Um, I, this isn't something that I'm going to, you know, have a knockdown, drag out theological debate over. Um, I, maybe I just view it too simply. Maybe, I don't know, and just kind of accept it as the way the word is presented it to me. And I just submit to the authority of the word in that way. And maybe I'm too simplistic in that way, but that's, how I've grown up and I will say this, I just don't know that I feel like any of the other views have been all that compelling to me personally.
0: Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, I guess I already tipped my hand when I preached that I, I do hold to the 24 hour day view, but I I think it's fair to say that there, I think there are other Christians who try to be serious about the word and hold to the analogical view or the literary framework view as an example, who I would say that they're really trying to wrestle with the text. And right. they're trying to think about God's revealed world, not word, revealed world, and see how it looks and then compare it to God's revealed word and make sure that we're understanding the revealed word correctly by looking at God's created order. Right. And so I I, I think that... Um, here, here's the thing, and I, I said this in the sermon, so I'll say it again. I do think the most important thing is that we believe that God is the creator. That is inarguable from Genesis. And that Adam and Eve were historic people. I think if you take those two... Um, whatever you want to call them, if you would take those two linchpins out of the equation, then I do think you have a major problem understanding the rest of the Bible. So as long as your view allows for both of those things to be absolutely true, right. I think there's probably room here to say, um, you know, there's room for disagreement. And it's not a, a closed-handed issue in that way. Right. What is closed-handed is that God is creator and there was a historic right, right. And I would say, to me, the, the question isn't necessarily what view you held, but how you got there. How did right. you get there? Do, right. w- was it because you said, well, "I just believe science more than the Bible"? Well, that's that's troublesome, like because the Bible is more trustworthy than science. Right. But if you say, you know, I wrestled with the text and, and you know I, I leaned on this, okay. Like, but I I do think for all the reasons we, t- I just think the strengths are more strong. I don't know if that's a good way of speaking. Um, I do think the strengths are more compelling. Maybe I'll say it that way for the 24-hour day period than they right. are for the others. I think their weaknesses are less weak than the other ones. But right. again, um, I'm with you. I don't think this is an issue that we divide and break unity over. Right. But I, I do think the important thing is, are we taking the word of God seriously? Do, are, we trying to, are we trying to argue from the text as opposed to just how we feel or what we've been told in science class in high school or college? I think that's right. the important thing. Right. And so um, however you land, as long as you're willing to wrestle with the text and wrestle with the Hebrew and Pharaoh, what do I think this means and why, then I think that's okay. Again, provided that we hold that God is creator and that there was an historic avenue but again to put my cards on the table i do hold to a young earth view however old that is
1: six ten thousand years or roughly in that ballpark and i would hold to the 24-hour day period right right and that idea when you say that god is creator i've been reading grudem's bible doctrine this week because it's on creation and and he said you know the idea that say that there was no matter in existence before god created it I think that's a real important say, well, what what do you mean when you say God created everything? Well, that there was no substance, there was no matter, there was no material before God created anything. There was nothing before he spoke everything into existence. And they said that was a really important point to bring out. Say, this is something that we do need to hold to. This is essential.
0: Yeah, and this is going beyond the scope of our podcast here, but I think the evolutionary theory has some real problems with it.
1: And most notably,
0: that it often denies that God created ex nihilo out of nothing. Out of nothing. Right. And so, again, that's beyond the scope of what we're trying to do today. Again, we're trying to keep this short, although I don't think we've done a very good job. Um, But I I think I would just say that just to throw that on at the end, that I think that's a real problem with evolutionary theory.
1: And to say those are the essentials that we have to hold to. There are essentials that we have to hold to, but then within that beyond that there are some things i think there is some room that you would say this is not out of bounds of of christian doctrine
0: yep okay all right well thanks for joining us we'll catch you again another time